I want to talk to you this morning about the blessing in giving, or the blessing is in giving. And, um, you know, some pastors are a little bit reluctant to teach and to preach on the topic of giving, giving, especially as it pertains to money, because of the negative response, especially from new people in the church or from the unchurched. And the reason that, um, that those thoughts are out there is because there are some people who think, you know, all the church wants is my money, right? That thought is out there. Now, there have been people that have abused the thing of, uh, of offerings and tithes and things like that. I understand that. I get that. Uh, and I understand how some of you are like, Pastor, I invited my friend today, and you're going to talk about money. How many invited a friend today? Let me see. Anybody? How many of this is your first time here, right? First time? Okay. Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk a little bit more about a little more deeper things. No, I shouldn't say it that way. Um, I think I think you're going to get this, and I think it's going to be a blessing to you. I'll put it that way. So you're not going to miss out today. So, um, and I understand that for some people, you know, money can be a little bit offensive. That is until you begin to understand the theology of giving. You know, there's a theology behind your giving. And um, there's a reason attached to your giving. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think you might be surprised to know that Jesus taught more about giving than any other subject. He taught more about giving than he did hope. He taught more about giving than he did uh, forgiveness. Uh, he taught more about giving than he did love. I think that's pretty important. Love's a pretty important thing. Jesus taught more about giving than he did love. Um, interesting, Jesus taught more about giving than he did heaven or hell. So obviously, Jesus wanted us to get an understanding, <coughs> excuse me, as it pertains to giving. Uh, one scholar said that one out of every six verses where Jesus is the speaker, he's talking about money or material things. Think about that for a minute. One out of every six verses in which Jesus is communicating to us, he's talking about money or he's talking about material things. So if we value Jesus at this place, and we do, if we value his word, and we do, then we need to talk about what Jesus talked about, right? We need to talk about finances and we need to talk about money. Jesus said it this way, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart will be. Um, by the way, have you noticed that there are a lot of people today that are taking up offerings? Have you noticed that? Uh, uh, let me just give you an example of that. Um, earlier this week, I was at AutoZone. I had to pick up a few things. And you know the little, um, little thing you slide the card into, whatever that's called? And have, have you ever, have you noticed lately that more and more are asking you if you would like to give to certain things? Is anybody else finding that out? And so I'm at AutoZone of all places, and, and <clears throat> they've taken on this calls, and they asked, I even forget what it was now, and they asked what I'd like to give, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty, or other. And I had to respond to that. I had to say yes or no. So I hit no and moved on. Well, then the clerk asked me, he said, would you like to give? And I, I'm thinking, well, I just said no. But then the clerk asked me. In other words, I couldn't even get checked out of the place until I responded to the clerk. Until I had to let him know yes or no, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't want to give today. And I thought about that. And you know what? That's not going to keep me from going back to AutoZone if I need to get something, right? 
I mean, I wasn't really offended by that. They just asked me what I like to give. And at that point I said, no, but I want you to think about if that's how we received offerings at church. In other words, if you come come in here and we were to put on the screens, would you like to give today to the cause of Christ? <clears throat> five, 10, I'm not gonna put a dollar up there. Five, 10, 20 or other, right? And then you had to answer yes or no. And then what if we were to ask our ushers to go down every aisle and look at you and say, would you like to give today to the cause of Christ? <laughs> yes or no. And we're not going to let you leave until you answer yes or no. How many of you know it wouldn't be too long I'd be preaching to an empty place? <laughs> right? Because you'd get offended and you're like, oh, that, you know, they won't even let you get out of that church unless you respond to their offering, Right? But like I just said, I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back if I need to. Have, have you noticed that? Uh, have you popped into a drive-thru lately? And, and they'll take your order, and then they'll ask you what? Round up a dollar, or they'll ask you, would you like to give? Right? Would you like to give whatever to this cause? And, and I don't know about you, but it's not stopped me from going through the drive-thru. I mean, there are other things should stop me from going through the drive-through, but them asking me for an offering is not keeping me from going through that drive-through. We're getting ready. Uh, obviously, we're in this time of the season where uh, you're not going to be able to enter in through certain stores without passing by somebody who's asking you for an offering, right? Red kettle, ringing a bell. And then you, you are going to respond one way or the other by passing by. And, you know, sometimes it's out of guilt. It's like, yeah, let me see what I could just put in here. Because I believe it's a worthy cause, don't you? I believe, I believe in the work that the Salvation Army does. And I'm not here to bash them by any means. But I'm just letting you see that there's not a place that you go where someone's not receiving an offering today. How many of you still watch TV? Let me see. Anybody? I know we're more on our smart devices than anything. What's your favorite show? Yell it out to me. Come on, help me out here. Jeopardy. Amen. Grace Anatomy. Someone said MacGyver today. I thought they said MacGyver, but I heard them wrong and it was Survivor. <laughs> I just dated myself, right? MacGyver, Survivor. Okay. Hey, do you realize while you're sitting there watching that show, do you know what happens every eight minutes? Well, you know what they're doing, right? They're taking an offering up. Every eight minutes, they're taking an offering up. Somebody has to pay for that show. So the advertisers that they get to be a part of that, they're receiving an offering every eight minutes of that show. How would you like it if every eight minutes I stopped and took up an offering? By the way, I'm on seven minutes and eight seconds right now. Ushers, get ready. We're about 50 seconds away from me receiving another offering. So, I mean, we don't turn the TV off, do we? We don't get mad and walk out as I'm never going to watch that show again, right? We're not holding anybody hostage. We're not saying that you have to give something and you have to respond to an usher before you leave this place. Why would you be offended about us talking about tithe and offering and then let all that other stuff just slide? Because how many of you know that the cause of Christ is greater than any other thing that's on this earth? The cause of Christ is greater than any other thing that's on this earth. And so, so there is a difference of contributing to something and being committed to something. So, um, again, at this time of the year, if I have it and I pass by the red kettle, I will contribute to it. 
I mean, I'll give whatever I have and I'll put it in there, right? Um, so, so, but that doesn't mean I'm committed to their cause. I'm just contributing to it. Because, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, if, if I don't see it, then I'm probably not going to give to it. So, but in the middle of July, if I'm in my living room and, you, and I say, you know what? I believe in the Salvation Army. I believe in what they're doing. I believe in the calls. I'm going to give them $100. That's a little bit different. Now what I'm saying is I'm not just contributing to the, to the Salvation Army, but I'm committed to their cause. And I said that to say this. That's what tithing is about. Tithing is you and I saying I'm committed to this. I'm committed to God. I'm committed to his word. I'm committed to his work. And I'm not doing this because someone's asking me to do this. As a matter of fact, I'm not doing this because I'm the pastor. I was, I, uh, was participating or sowing my tithe before I ever became a pastor, right? I mean, it has nothing to do with me being a pastor, but it does have everything to do with me being committed and has everything to, to do with me being a Christian. I am committed to this thing. So if I'm committed to prayer, then I need to be committed to giving. If I'm committed to preaching, then I need to be committed to giving. You, you understand what I'm saying? I can't pick and choose what I want to be committed to in the kingdom of God. I need to be committed to God. I need to put him first. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm putting God first. I'm saying, God, I'm in this thing. As a matter of fact, I'm all in. I'm not just going to pick and choose what I want to do. I'm going to try to do everything that your word tells me to do. I'm going to try to follow everything that you've asked me to do. Why? Because I'm committed to it. And so tithing simply says to you and I, I'm committed to this, God. I'm committed to you, and I'm committed to your church, and I'm committed to this work. How many of you believe we're doing a great work for the kingdom of God? Come on, somebody. You got to, you got to believe that. So tithing is investing in God. It's investing in the kingdom of God. So when you give 10%, that's, that's what a tithe is. The word tithe means 10%. So when you give 10%, um, it, it has uh, an eternal significance attached to it. And I know what some people may be thinking. Some people might be thinking today that, well, you know, the tithe is something that was done in the Old Testament and it was part of the law. I would argue that. I would say that the tithe was before the law was ever even introduced. And I would say that the tithe is as old as, as um, mankind. And I would say that based upon this thought, that when God put man and created man and put him in a garden, this is what God said. God said, all these trees... Everything around you is yours. You can have it. You can enjoy the fruit of it. But you see that tree right over there? That tree belongs to me. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. Don't eat from it. So what God was saying to Adam and Eve at that moment, he was saying that tree is sanctified. That tree is holy. That tree has been set aside or apart, and it belongs to me. Well, do you understand something? That's what the tithe is. The tithe is something that has been sanctified. The tithe is something that is holy. The tithe is something that has been set aside, and God says, the tithe is mine. It doesn't even belong to us. The tithe belongs to the Lord. As a matter of fact, um, when you do get into the law part of it, this is what God said. God said, the firstborn of everything, the, first, the firstborn of all of your livestock, 
uh, the first fruit of everything you own belongs to me. It's mine. It's sanctified. It's holy. If you give me that, then I will sanctify or I will bless the rest. So when you give to God the 10% that is his, God says, I'll bless the rest of your stuff. I'll bless the rest of your things. All right? That was part of uh, the agreement with the law. So, so we, see the, we see that it was part of the law. We see that it was pre-law. Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek, who was a type and a shadow of Christ. Melchizedek was a high priest. And he gave a tenth of all he owned to Melchizedek. Uh, his grandson, and this shows us how that we are supposed to pass our faith down to the next generation. His grandson, Jacob, the Bible says in Genesis 28, gave a tenth of all he had, gave a tenth to God. And so it's pre-law, it's post-law, and it was during law that the tithe was a part of a believer's life. Uh, I didn't say this in the first message, but let me just put, let me just show you how God looks at this. When, um, when the children of Israel were going in to possess the promised land, God says, it's yours. I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build. Uh, they're going to be furnished. Can I get an amen? How many would like to have a furnished house? Two, three, four. Okay, furnished. He said, I'm going to give you vineyards that you didn't plant. Your barns are going to be filled with all these blessings. And he says, but here's what, here's what needs to happen. He said, the first, the first the first group that you're going to conquer, the first territory you're going to conquer is Jericho. And he said, listen, all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the produce that you find in Jericho, all of the clothing, it's mine. He said, the others, it's all yours. Joshua and Israel, um, there were 13 conquests that they had. All right, 13 of them. The first one, because the first always belongs to God. The first one was Jericho. They conquered Jericho, but someone in the camp took what belonged to God. Achan took it. He took the gold that belonged to God. He took the garments that were supposed to be consecrated unto the Lord. The next endeavor, the next conquest was Ai. It was a little country, just a ragtag army that Israel was so confident that all they had to do was show up and they would win. Well, they showed up and guess what? Their enemy defeated them. And you want to know why the enemy defeated them? It's because someone in the camp had what belonged to God. Someone took what was supposed to be sanctified and what was supposed to be given to God. And God says, all you need to do is to go in Achan's tent. Underneath his tent, you'll find what belongs to me. Take care of that. Get it settled. Go back to Ai and I'll give you the victory. Now, I could talk about that, and I can talk about maybe, maybe, maybe some of the reasons we're not getting victory over things is we're holding on to something that belongs to God. And if we'll let that go, that something might be the tithe that belongs to God. And if we'll let that go, maybe we'll begin to see the victory that God promised us to have in our lives. I, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that might be the case. Amen. All right, so we're not under the law anymore. I get that. And some of you are saying, well, pastor, since we're not under the law, then we're not obligated to take this first of everything and give it to the Lord. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 6. And this is what it says. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant, which he is the mediator, is superior to the old one. He's talking about the old covenant and the new covenant now. 
okay? The law and the dispensation of grace that you and I live under right now. Since the new covenant is established on what? Better promises, all right? So right away, we already see and identify that we're, we have entered into a better covenant. A covenant is simply a contract. We've entered into a better contract that has greater promises than what was promised to uh, those who were under the law. So we have a better covenant, a better promise because of the ministry of Jesus. It's a better way. So Jesus then takes this whole thing about tithing and he takes it beyond the Old Testament concept of tithing because in the Old Testament, tithing was almost seen as a bill that you owed God, all right? Tithing was something that many looked at as something that I owe God. I owe God the tithe. And so we would say things like this, and you hear this still today, I have to pay my tithe. That's not correct, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But under the old covenant, it was as though we had to pay or we owed God something in order to receive from him. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, we have a better covenant. There is a better way. We have a better contract with him. And so here's what he did. He removed, he removed us from owing something to God I owe you this, God, to us sowing into God. How many of you know that's a huge difference? There's a difference from owing something and sowing something. For instance, if I, if I take this $10 bill right here and I say, you know what? I owe Ted $10, all right? Ted, I owe you this $10, all right? When I give Ted this $10, this is what I should expect. I should expect nothing back. And the reason that I should expect nothing back from Ted is why? I owed it to him. It was his. Whether I borrowed it or whatever, it was his. So, so when I owe someone something and I give it back to them, I can't expect to receive anything in return, all right? But if I sow, if I sow that seed or that $10 bill as a seed, right? I'm sowing it into somebody's life. If I'm sowing this as a tithe, I've made $100, now I'm tithing to God, I'm giving God the 10 tithe, I'm tithing to God, then listen, just because this $10 bill, this tithe leaves my hand, it doesn't mean that it leaves my life. You need to catch that. If I owe it to you, when, I, when it leaves my hand, it leaves my life. But if I sow it, then just because it leaves my hand doesn't mean that it has left my life. It is coming back to me at some point in time in my life. How do I know that? Because this is how God governs the earth. God governs the earth, seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. So you have to see that the tithe is a seed that is being sown into the kingdom of God, not something that you owe to God, all right? Now, if I was to take, um, let's just say if I was to take a, t a tomato seed and I put that seed in the ground, is that the last time I'm ever gonna see something from that seed? No. So in other words, just because it left my life or my hand doesn't mean it left my life. Why? Because if I water that seed, if I look over that seed, 
if I make sure that seed's getting the, 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 the proper sun and everything that it needs, what's going to happen in time? Come on, help me out here. It's going to grow. It's going to come back to the surface. It's going to grow. And what's going to be on that? Tomatoes, plural, right? So it left my hand, but it never left my life. And that's how you have to see this. Just because what you have leaves your hand doesn't mean it's going to leave your life. And I think that's, that's, you know, I think that's a mindset that we need to get rid of. We just need to get rid of this mindset that I owe God, I have to pay my tithe, and I'm going to do it, and I'm doing it reluctantly, and I'm not expecting anything in return. Well, that's not the way you, that you give. Do you think that it would be wise for a farmer to go out into a field and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the time to sow the seed. I'm going to cultivate the soil, and I'm going to put this seed in the soil, but I'm really not expecting anything in return. How foolish is that? Right? I mean, that doesn't even make sense, does it? Help me out here. Does that make any sense at all? Right. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, the same principle applies to us sowing in the kingdom of God. It's the same principle. You should never sow a seed and not expect anything in return. You should sow with the expectation at least at a minimum of a 30-fold return. That's scriptural, right? He says that, that when we sow, some of us are going to reap 30-fold, some of us are going to reap 60-fold, and some of us are going to reap 100-fold. So the minimum return on the seed that you're sowing is a 30-fold return, right? But if God can make a 30-fold return on that, I'm going to believe him for a 100-fold return on whatever I'm sowing into the kingdom. Amen? Amen? So you have to sow with an expectation. Now, in reference to the tithe that belongs to God, that is holy, sanctified, set apart, in reference to that, this is what he says. Remember, it's pre, it's mid, and it's post law. This is what he said in Malachi. He said, why don't you test me with this? In other, why don't you prove what I'm trying to say, tell you? Do you realize this is the only thing that God has challenged us to test him with? God is saying, I can back up what I'm promising. Now, I've had some people tell me some things that they were going to do, and they couldn't back it up, right? A lot of talk, no action. But I'm telling you, God can back up what he's promising you. And this is what he's promising. God said, when you give the tithe, when you bring the tithe into this storehouse where you get fed, when you bring the tithe into his storehouse, this is what he said. He said, I'm going to open up what? The window, not windows, but the window of heaven. He said, I'm going to open up that window and I'm going to do what? Help me out, tithers. I'm going to pour out what? That what? That you cannot contain. Say more than enough. Come on, say it like you mean it. More than enough. He said, I'm going to pour out a blessing that you can't contain. Well, God's not a wasteful God. God doesn't waste anything. So God's not just going to pour something out and say, there's, there's the rest of it. We're just going to waste it. What I believe God is saying is this. God is saying, not only are you going to be blessed, but everyone who's connected to you is going to be blessed. Because I'm not, not only going to bless you, but everyone that's in line with you is going to receive the blessing that's on your life. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, moms and dads. That's why you need to be giving. That's why you need to be tithing. Why? Because God's going to open up that window, and it's, your children are going to be blessed by it. Your grandbabies are going to be blessed by it. I need some help up in here right now. I know it's tight, but I'm going to talk about it. Right? So, so you have to understand. You have to change your mindset. This is not something that I'm indebted to. This is something that I'm sowing into. When Jesus came to this earth, he said, I didn't come to be served. Right? He said, I came to serve. I didn't come here to be served. Can I say it another way? Jesus said, I didn't come to see what I could get. I came to see what I could give. Not what I could get. That's our mindset. That's, that's the old man, the old nature's mindset. What can I get? Jesus says, no, I'm going to model something for you that's totally different than what the world says. It's not what can I get, it's what can I give. What has God blessed me with that I can give? The time that God has given me on this earth, how can I utilize that time to be a blessing? How can I utilize that time to bless someone else? The talent that God has given me, the gifts that God, and he's given all of us a talent and a gift. The gifts and the talents that God, how can I use those gifts? How can I use those talents to be a blessing to somebody else? And yes, the treasure, the money that God has blessed us with. How can I use those things to be a blessing? to? I didn't come to see what I could get. I came to see what I could give. And ultimately, he did what? He gave his life. Ultimately, he laid down his life for us. And you know, when Jesus laid down his life for us, you know what happened? He fulfilled us owing God. You know why? Because we owed a debt to God that we could never repay. We owed a debt to God that we could never, ever repay. You know why? Here's what the law said. The law said if and when you sinned, and we all do, the law said you had to take one of, and it had to be spotless, it had to be without blemish, you had to take one of the animals, you had to take that animal and you had to bring it to a priest. That priest had to pray and that uh, priest had to crucify, kill that animal, take the blood, put it on the brazen altar so that your sin could be forgiven. How many are thankful for a better covenant? And I thought so. How many are thankful for a better way? Right? Because here's what happened. The spotless lamb of God came and paid a debt, a sin debt that you and I could never repay and gave his life as a ransom for many, and he laid down his life for us. And so now, when God looks at us, he looks at the debt being paid in full by Jesus. So Jesus came one time, once and for all, one time he gave his life, one time he shed his blood, and that one time has forgiven us past, present, and future. Come on, if you're thankful for Jesus this morning. Come on, let's give him praise, and let's give him glory. And so Jesus was even seen as a seed that was sown in the earth and three days later was resurrected. And now you and I are the harvest of the seed that was sown by God. Mm. Yeah. Every person that comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is the result of the seed that was sown by the Father. Come on. By the Father. And where did that seed end up? At the right hand of the Father. I feel him in this room today, don't you? Come on, I feel him in this place today. Jesus paid that debt. So now all of your giving, 
is now seen as an act of sowing, not as an act of owing. You are investing in the kingdom of God. You are investing in something that will last throughout eternity. This is why it's a better way because it will last throughout eternity. Remember when Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive? Remember he also said, give and it shall be given unto you. Now listen to me, lean in and listen to me. Because some of you, if you don't hear me right, you're going you're, you're gonna to miss this. All right, I'm going to help some of us. Jesus never told anyone to pay their tithe. He didn't say that. That's not what he said. What did he say? He said, give. Is there a difference? Sure, there's a difference. It's the difference from owing and sowing. He didn't, say, he didn't say pay your tithe. He said give. Give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So he said give. Give in offerings. Give to the poor. Give to the needy. Give the tithe. You're never more like God than when you're giving. You really are. You're never more like your father. You're never more like um, exhibiting the nature of God than when you're giving. Why? Because he's a giving God. God for God so loved the world, he didn't take, he gave. Right? God gave gifts unto us. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. So the nature of God is not, not that of a taker. The nature of God is that of a giver. So do you think, let's just, let's, just, let's just try to think some things through today. Do you think God's going to take something from you without having something in mind of returning something to you? That's not the, na the nature of God is not to take stuff from you. The nature of God is to give stuff to you. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. It comes from God, right? So that's the nature of God. The nature of God is not to take the nature of God. Is the, nature, the thief comes to do what? That's not God. The thief, the enemy, the adversary comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God came that you might have life, don't stop there, but that you might have it more what? Abundantly where? Not when you get to heaven, but right here on this earth. Right here on this earth. So God's desire is to bless. God's desire is to, is to um, <laughs> give a harvest. All right? I'm going to skip through a bunch of stuff, and I'm just going to go to this, all right? Let's go. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. I just took the whole middle part of this message out. Let's see if I can do this. All right? Listen to me. You have to give God something to work with, right? So like I said, a farmer's not going to go out in the field and not sow a seed and then turn around and expect a harvest. Well, I'm just waiting for the corn to show up. Well, did you put a seed in? No. Just waiting for it to show up. It's not going to happen, right? You got to put something in the ground. So listen to what Jesus said. Then Jesus replied, this is the feeding of the 5,000. Remember the disciples wanted them to go home? Send them home. We can't meet their need. Listen to what he says. 
He said, they don't need to go away. He said, you give them something to eat. You give something. Give something. Give something to eat. Then listen to what he says. They say, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven, gave thanks, broke the loaves, and he gave to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the people, and everyone ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Say more than enough. More than enough. Your little is more than enough. As a matter of fact, God can get leftovers out of your little. He just showed us that he could do it. But I want you to look at verse 16. Give something. Look at your neighbor and tell him, give something. So let me ask you a question. All right, I got three more minutes. I may take five, but I'm going to say that. Let me ask you a question. If you give nothing to God, just think about this for a minute. If you give nothing to God and God multiplies that nothing and puts it in a dump truck and backs it up in your drive and dumps it into your drive, what do you have? Nothing. You have nothing. Nothing multiplied by nothing is? I think there was a song, Some, nothing for nothing. Never mind, you're too old, you don't remember. Nothing multiplied by nothing is still nothing, right? That's why it's better to give a little something than a whole lot of nothing. Just give a little something than a whole lot of nothing. Why? Because God cannot multiply and God cannot bless nothing. You have to give him something to work with. Moses, what do you have in your hand? All I have is this rod. Okay, I can use that rod. The widow woman, what do you have in the house? All I have is this jar of oil. Okay, we can use that jar of oil. The other widow woman, well, all I have left is this last little bit of flour. I'm going to make it, and then, then me and my son are going to eat this, and we're going to die because there's nothing left. And then the prophet says something really mean and nasty to her, and he says, make me a cake. How selfish. You just told me it's your last meal, and now I want I want your last pancake. Listen to me. He wasn't trying to take something from her. He was trying to get something to her. God's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And that something is supernatural. And when God takes what's natural and puts a super on it, it becomes supernatural and it can multiply in your life. All I have is these five smooth stones. Well, all you need is one, and you'll take out that giant. They said, all we have are five loaves and two fish. Listen to me. Never underestimate the power of a seed. Never underestimate it. I got to hurry. But when Mark narrates this story, Mark 6, 38, Jesus asked this question, how many loaves do you have? And I, I thought that was interesting because I believe Jesus already knew how many they had. I believe he knew how many they had because he's God, he's sovereign. That means he knows everything, right? So if you know everything, why are you asking anything? 
Whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he's seeking, seeking information from you. What God is trying to do is God is trying to impart revelation to you. Revelation that will produce motivation, that will bring elevation in your life. I was a rapper and didn't even know it. So when God asks the question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He's trying to produce revelation in your life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And their response is so typical to our response, and that is this. We don't have enough. There's not enough here. I mean, when, when, when you look at it in comparison to the need, and you're asking me, God, do you see my bills? Do you not think God knows your bills? Come on. Just like I said, he knew the answer to the question when he asked them, how many loaves do you have? He knew the answer. But he's trying to get them to a place where they can receive from him. God knows what your bills are. And some of you, wasn't God to put you there, you did that. That's why you need to go through financial peace. Where are you at, Rob? Right back here. Where's all my financial peace people in here? Come on. We're going to share some things in a couple of weeks, what just happened through that last class. All right? So, God, I got all these bills. Well, God knows that. And I don't have enough. And now you want me to give what little I do have. And I don't have enough here. Well, this is where you're going to have to get some seed in the ground. Because if you give God nothing... You get nothing. But if you give God something, you'll get a return on what you gave him. All we have is five loaves and two fish. Okay, that's enough. Lord, there's 5,000 people, not including the women and children. I don't care. Just give it to me. Notice what the Bible said. They brought it to him. You got to bring it to him. Don't act like you're giving it to me. I wish you were giving it to me. I'd be on a beach somewhere right now. You're bringing it to God. And what are you asking God to do? God, I'm asking you to bless. I'm asking you to bless what I have. And God says, okay, I'll bless it. Bring it to me. And God blesses it. And God looks, or Jesus looks up and he gives thanks. You know what that tells me? We need to be thankful for what we have right now. Even if it's not enough, we need to be thankful for what we have right now. Because listen to me. Until you're thankful for what you have right now, you'll never get to that place of multiplication in your life. It may not be the dream job, but it is a job, and you need to be thankful for it. Come on, help me. <laughs> it may not be the car, and you may be holding it together with bumper stickers right now, but it is a car. Right? Be thankful for what you have, and when you're grateful for what you have, increase will come in your life. Jesus just taught us that principle. All right, I'm closing with this. Let's stand and I'll close. Come on. This is the fifth closing. Don't leave on me yet. Just, just stand. Have I wore you out yet? We'll sit back down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Watch this. Bring, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. 
And then he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Um, by the way, this, is, this story is told in all four gospels. It's the only story outside of the, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection that all four writers talk about. So I think it's important, don't you? All four of the gospel writers talk about this story right here. He says, bring them to me. And then he said, I want you to sit down. One, or one version or one writer said he had them sit down in groups of 50 and hundreds. You know what that tells me? God is saying, let's, let's get some structure. Let's get some organization here because I cannot bless chaos. So if your checkbook's not together, if you don't know what's coming and what's going, right? There has to be some order to this thing. He said, let's set this thing in order. And when you set it in order, get them in groups of 50 and hundreds, and then I can bless it. So it might start with me just sitting down and say, I gotta get this checkbook in order. I really need to get a hold of my finances. And quit asking my money, where have you been? And start telling it where to go. Right? So he took that and he blessed it and he was thankful. And then he put it back in the disciples' hands. This is where the miracle occurs. It did not begin to multiply until the disciples began to give it away. It didn't multiply in his hands, right? They gave him five loaves, two fish. He gave them back five loaves and two fish after he blessed it. When they took the five loaves and two fish in their hands and started giving, every time they reached in and thought, this is the last one, it's the last one. There's 20,000 people here, that's the last one. It just continued, to, it multiplied in their hands. I'm trying to get you to see that when you give something to God and allow him to bless it, he will turn, turn around and give it back to you. And when it hits your hands, that's when it will begin to multiply and multiply and multiply. They were all satisfied and filled. You're not gonna go without. You're not. Jamie and I made that decision over 20 some years ago with a baby and no formula. And we came to the place where we said, we're gonna put God first and we're gonna trust him. And I said, the very first thing, that, the very first check that we are to write is the tithe. I don't care about anything else, just write it. And do you know when we didn't have formula, formula showed up on our doorstep? You think I'm kidding. I'm talking cases. Or a case of it? Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me God doesn't know what you need. Do you think God's gonna have you just suffer out there and starve to death? Come on. What parent in this room would do that to their child? Not one of you. Not one of us. But there came a place where I just had to trust God. I'm trusting him with my eternal soul. I can't trust him for a dime. 
dime for every dollar I make. I can't trust him for that. And I'm not saying this to condemn anybody. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty. I'm not saying that to make anybody to try to shame somebody into this. I'm really trying to get you free. Because once we decided that this is what we are going to do, and it's the first check that we write, once we decided that, and we've never looked back, we've never gone without. We've never gone without. I'm saying we never have gone without. Even, even in a transition where neither one of us worked for eight solid months, no income, never missed a payment. You can tell, didn't go without food. I'm telling you, God, God took care of it. God took care of it. And he'll take care of you. You just need to trust him. But listen to me, start with something. Get something in the ground. Maybe it's not 10% right now, but get something in the ground. Get two, five, six, seven percent. Get it in the ground. Get a seed in the ground and watch and see what God will do. If I had time, I could bring tithers up here and I could let them testify to you and let you know that this isn't a preacher thing. This is a God thing. This is a God thing. He can do it. Amen. He can do it. Not only can he do it, he will do it. He will do it. All right. You know, the last Envision offering we had, we had saved some money because we're, we're really not this, we don't want to go in debt again. We don't want that. So we had just saved some money. We were going to do some stuff with that money. And I felt like God told us to give the money to the building fund. It's a pretty substantial amount of money. And I said, okay, God, I'll do it. But I didn't give it without expecting something in return. I said, I'm going to give this, God, but you know what need I have. And so we gave it and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. And I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a little ticked. I'm like, okay, God, what's up with this? I believe I heard from you. I believe I gave what you told me to give. But I was also expecting something in return. What's up with this? Well, what's up with it is simply this. It wasn't, it wasn't in my time. It's in his time. It's in his time. And then so recently, just, just to share this with you briefly, recently, talking several, I don't know, April? Was that the last Envision offering? April, we did it at Easter, March, whatever. But then recently, I received, we received three times the amount that we gave in that offering. <laughs> and I know, I know God loves me more than he loves you. You know better. I'm just telling you, he's faithful. Amen. I love you. I didn't say any of this to offend you. I hope it encourages you. I hope you're challenged by it. If you need financial counseling and help, we're here to help you with that. We really are. We can help you get on the track that you need to get on. But it starts with a seed. So, Father, right now, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us. 
We thank you, Lord, that you give seed to the sower. I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. I thank you for the $400,000 that we've been able to raise thus far. But Lord, we're believing for more. Lord, we're believing that we're gonna be debt free. We're believing for a supernatural increase, that it can be a testimony to the community. Look what the Lord has done. And Father, Lord, we'll give you the praise and we'll give you the glory. We'll do it, Lord. And I just pray for every home, every family represented here. I pray the blessing of the Lord to rest upon them. I pray the favor of the Lord to rest upon them. And Lord, we'll never cease to give you the praise nor the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Listen, we have some people here that are here to pray for you. If you have a need, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whatever that need might be, we're here to pray for you. We also have some donuts that we'd love to sow into your life right now. And we've prayed all the calories out of them. No harvest there. But anyway, we love and appreciate you so much. And, and really, uh, there are people here that want to pray for you. So God bless you. We'll see you right back here next week at The Point. Also, also, if you're going to meet with us, there'll be a sign. Someone's out here. Somebody's helping me. Uh, you'll see the sign, and we'll meet you here in a few minutes. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next week here at The Point.